Smartcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On this episode of the SNSW Podcast, we'll break down our biggest takeaways from Week 7 of the NFL, from what the hell is going on at Foxborough with Cam Newton and the Patriots, to an overtime thriller between the Seahawks and the Cardinals, and the big matchup between two of the top teams in the AFC, the Steelers and the Titans. We'll also break down some of our biggest moves of the week, from Des Bryant joining the Ravens practice squad, Antonio Brown joining Tom Brady in Tampa Bay, and other moves that could be made as we approach the NFL trade deadline. We'll also give out this week's Forrest Gump Award, and we'll dive into Rob Kelly's power rankings, where, spoiler alert, the Cowboys still aren't doing great. But first, this episode is being brought to you by Boxo Crafts. Boxo is an arts and crafts-focused kid subscription box. Boxo is a parent-run company that combines creativity and convenience in one monthly package, delivered right to your door. Boxo's premier box, Boxo Holidays, contains four separate art projects to get you and your family into the holiday spirit. Whether it's Halloween, Hanukkah, or Easter, they've got you covered with holiday fun. Boxo, we can't wait to see you create. Check out BoxoCrafts.com and exclusively to our listeners, enter promo code SNSW for 10% off your first order. That's B-O-X-O-Crafts.com, promo code SNSW. The SNSW Podcast is a one-hour weekly, two-hour monthly podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript of today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as our WordPress and Buzzsprout pages. If you're new to the show, consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on iTunes, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. And be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And now, this is the SNSW Podcast. But it's all relative. Welcome, everybody, into the SNSW Podcast, episode 14. My name is Joe Malkin. I'm joined tonight by Mike Marcangelo and Rayshon Buchanan, and as always, Craig D'Alessandro. Guys, first of all, uh, we're, when you're listening to this in the future, uh, he'll be two days older, but a quick happy birthday to Craig D'Alessandro, who turns 32 today. Uh, Craig, happy birthday. Thanks, fellas. Yeah, you well, got it. Happy birthday, Craig. Thank you. Yeah, happy birthday, big guy. <laughs> uh, Mike, how are you today? Resemble that remark. Doing well, Joe. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to, uh, about about this episode. It's been a while since I've been a just a contributor, and I get to be a total dick. So I'm really just looking forward to it. <laughs> Ray, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, I was in the hosting chair last time I was on, and um, basically, I, I feel like I need to shut up and host. But uh, I'm, I'm actually uh, I'm glad I'm glad to be on too. It's always good to be on with you guys. So let's let's get into it. Yes, it is. So and and you know everyone listening, uh, talk back to us. How are you? Are you doing all right? Are you doing well? 
because that's that's what we want to know. Uh, we, you know, so we hope everybody's doing well out there. Uh, and as Ray mentioned, he was the last time he was on uh, our episode that came out Monday uh, was episode thirteen uh, interview with Josue uh, Pavone. Uh, who Ray give, give everybody a, a quick, just rundown of Joe Sway, what, what he does. And uh, if everybody, you can find that uh, episode, Craig will link that down in the show notes. Yeah, no, it, it was a great time. So, you know, me and Bob conducted the interview, you know, Craig was behind the scenes as usual. And yeah, we, we just talked about, you know, what the, what the grade was for the Celtics this year, like what things they did well, you know, how can they improve in the off season, and just maybe who are some potential targets that could come here. And then, you know, to top it off, you know, because he's he's someone that does a show with Cedric Maxo, we had a really great story that he dropped on there as well. So like I said, we hope we hope you guys enjoy it. We enjoy, we enjoyed it. And, you know, uh, like Joe just said, it's going to be in the show notes. So, you know, show your support and more importantly, just spread the word. Uh, it, it was really cool when uh, we posted on social media and Cedric Maxwell was the first person to like our post on Instagram. It was uh, definitely a little shocking. I know to you and me, we were the first ones to realize it. And I kind of leaned back in my seat and it, it was pretty cool. So, uh, so like immediately, like, like, like literally seconds after, like, I was like, oh, okay. Like the real Cedric Maxwell. Okay. <laughs> well, I'm really excited. <laughs> yeah, saw the blue check mark. I was like, he was sitting there waiting for this. He was waiting. Right, for he, was, so, he was. He was. <laughs> so listen, you guys can listen to uh, Cedric Maxwell's podcast with Joe Sway Pavone. Uh, that's pretty good stuff. I went and listened to that after I listened to the interview with Joe Sway. And, um, you know, we all know if you follow the Celtics that, that uh, Cedric Maxwell, uh, big contributor as the, uh, the color analyst and um, is – definitely knows his stuff and i mean the guys the guys a nba champion and uh, a former celtic so uh all right so hey without uh without bobby and uh dave on the show the the resident cowboy and bears fans uh, how about we have a total patriots bitch fest today what do you guys think about that Hey, look, I'm, look, look, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm in. <laughs> All right, perfect. So what we're going to get into is week seven of the NFL season. Uh, we're going to have four takeaways. Generally, it's three takeaways, but we we added a game in at the end that I think we all want to talk about because uh, it wasn't necessarily the best game of the weekend. We will talk about the best game, in my opinion, of the year tonight. And uh, just a, f- uh, a heads up to you guys, I am going to hijack a couple of these questions about the Patriots. I'm going to ask myself, basically. Uh, but the first game we're going to talk about is that Patriots Niners game on a Sunday afternoon where the Patriots were beaten 75 to six. And uh, sorry, was it, it was 33. 30, was that was that it? 33 to six. It, it felt it was it was terrible. So guys, Quickly give me your takeaways from Sunday's game, and then we'll get into uh, the nitty gritty of it. Ray, what 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 are your takeaways from Sunday? Uh, my takeaways is that we suck, which we're trash. And, you know, it's, it's pissing me off that people think that we should be grateful because of what's happened before. So, yes, DK, I'm coming at you. I'm talking to you when I, when I say that. Um, this is not about what you did in the past. This is always... Uh, a what have you done for me lately type of world. And more importantly, it's a what have you done for me lately type of game. They are now two and four, which is the first first time they've been two and four since 2002, you know, which we also talked about in the championship hangover. So that's also can be in the show notes. So shout out to Mike for the idea. Um, they suck. And that, that's my biggest takeaway right now is that we're trash and that the, the coaching is garbage. The play is garbage. And I'm glad there's no fans in the stands because they don't deserve to see this trash. I was just to touch on that point. I was talking to my wife after the game and, and we were, 
talking about why they didn't play well. What did they do wrong? And I was explaining it to her and I, I stopped and I said, you know, I would much rather be in the stands uh, with my dad watching the Patriots with the fans around me, um, the, the normal camaraderie, the tailgating and everything else. I said, but if there, man, if there's a season not to be there, this is it. And, and I, I'm not necessarily happy about the, the circumstances of why we can't be there, uh, but th- this is definitely that season. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, to paraphrase the great Rick Pitino, like Tom Brady ain't walking through that door, right? I mean, it, it's clear and it's evident right now that there are so many um, problems offensively. And as, as much as like I want to blame, you know, we'll get into it, but blame the players or blame the coaching, it's it's the players, right? Um, and it's 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 their lack of talent. Um, I still am a, an eternal Patriots optimist. I still believe that the AFC East will be the AFC East come December, and the Patriots will somehow figure it out. Now, figuring it out now post-Tom Brady, in my opinion, means 9-7, and 10-6. and six. It's not the 12-4 and four and 13-3s. and threes. I think they can figure it out. Um, I mean, I hope they can figure it out. And Ray, like, I don't want to start off by correcting you, but I'm going to correct you to start off. Uh, in 2002, they were three and four. Uh, they, they won their first three games. Uh, so this is worse. They, they have not been this bad since 2000. Either way, it's trash. But I, I, I have to say this because Joe brought it up about him and his dad. Um, Mr. Malkin, you know, senior, the senior Malkin, if you listen to this, sir. You don't, you don't deserve to, to sit there and watch this, sir. So I'm glad that you're at home resting, having a beer, and just watching it from your home, sir. Don't. I'm glad that you're not getting seated tickets to go see this trash, Mr. Melkin. So listen to this for me from your, your other son, from another mother. Don't, <laughs> don't, 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 don't be, don't be hurt about that, sir. Just be ha- happy that you're at home. You're listening to us. You're enjoying us. And, you know, just sit back and enjoy the show. Don't don't worry about watching New England because in person because they're, they're garbage. You don't you don't deserve that. You've been a fan for too long to witness this trash. So, you know, just enjoy it from home, sir. <laughs> right. Can't you see the resemblance? So, yeah. <laughs> right. So th- th- now the biggest thing about that is uh, my my father has been a season ticket holder since 1981. And I, I said this on the um, the the rewrap uh, for the 2001 Patriots season that that uh oh boy uh that after the game i was like man i could get used to this and he was like i waited 42 years for this don't don't get used to it and i think i think that i i hope i'm wrong when i throw this out there but i think that might be the road we're starting to think about turning on the blinker to go down. No, I know. I know. I, I just think sorry to cut you off. I just think that this that this is going to be a return to normalcy. Right. I, I think like, you know, everyone that, you know, our generation, but like, let's say three years younger than us, they have never known the Patriots to not be a contender. Right. They've never known mediocrity and they're about to, I mean, if it's not going to be this year, I promise you, it will probably be the next couple of years. And especially once Bill's gone, it will be over, but this is how you weed out the, the, uh, the, the pink hats from the real fans. And I mean, I think that there's there's still a lot to be proud of of this Patriots team. Like for the one thing I will say, um, they they fought Kansas City with two backup mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and their defense was solid. They played great. The defense played great against Denver. It's just they're not good enough to they're not good enough to overcome the things they used to be able to overcome. If that makes sense. They well, they played well against Seattle too, right? Oh, so, like throwing four picks. 
Well, so let's get into that too. So Cam Newton on, on Sunday, nine of 15, 98 yards, three interceptions. Jarrett Stidham comes in uh, as, as Bill Belichick goes to the bullpen. He goes six of 10 for 64 yards and an interception, four interceptions in one game. The New England Patriots currently, the New England Patriots quarterbacks have currently thrown for three touchdowns and they have thrown 11 interceptions and they are tied for 32nd in the league. That is dead last in quarterback rating with the New York Jets. So that kind of tells you where this team's quarterback play is at this point. Mike, I'll give you a little credit on, on the defense. The defense has played well, despite the fact that they're missing three of their top five players. Um, you know, the, the, obviously Gilmore is still there. Uh, Jawan Bentley made a bonehead play on Sunday. Um, Chase Winovich made a bonehead play on Sunday. And I think there's a lot of overcompensation right now. And Ray, when you, when you talk about the four interceptions and I, I, we could literally spend an entire episode on just this game because of how bad the offensive play was. Um, when, when they came out against Denver and I, I said it to you guys then, and I, I still believe it now, Cam Newton doesn't look right. I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he's sick. I don't know if he just doesn't have his mind right, but he doesn't look like Cam Newton against Seattle. And that's a problem because Cam Newton is not a bad NFL quarterback. Cam Newton is a very good NFL quarterback. Uh, He's a former league MVP. He's played in a Super Bowl, and I I have a lot of problems with this team. And Mike, you mentioned the players um, being a big problem. I, I'm I'm going to play the blame game, and, and I don't like to play the blame game. Uh, and two of the questions I had in our rundown was, what's the problem in Foxborough, and is it is the problem Bill Kraft McDaniel's the players? I think it's kind of a combination of all of it. And right now, I think one of the biggest problems is that McDaniels and maybe Belichick as well are expecting Cam Newton to come in to a style of offense that is not made for him instead of making the offense around the guy that's under center. And I think that's starting to frustrate him. And I think he he doesn't play well in the style of offense that Josh McDaniels wants him to play. Well, a couple of things. I think, uh, first of all, like the three touchdowns, 11 interceptions, that is a terrible statistic, but it also is misleading because Cam has rushed for five this season, right? So it's still you're still running at eight to 11. I know it's not great. What's the problem in Foxborough? It's talent, man. I mean, it's just talent. Your, your, uh, some of your top defensive uh, players, you mentioned Joe, are gone. And on offense, like, where the hell is Edelman? Can someone let him know that the time for opt-outs was in July and it's not in freaking October? I don't know where he's gone the last three weeks, but I said it last week and I'll say it again. The guy looks gassed. He looks like Wes Welker did in St. Louis with that stupid oversized helmet on who couldn't catch anything. It's just, it's, it's just bad. So, you know, you, you thought – one would think that he would step up and be the leader on offense when Brady left. He isn't, and maybe he can't be anymore. So this week, too, to go along with what you're saying there and the players being ready and the, the amount of talent that there is on the team, as for the defense, the defense has been the best unit on the field for the Patriots this season. Um, they've, they've let up 
a good amount of points, but they've also been giving teams very good field position with their horrendous offensive play. And sure, Cam has rushed for five touchdowns, but when was the last time he rushed for a touchdown? Was it against Denver? We sure as heck no, it wasn't against San Francisco. So where, where have they been in the last two weeks? And over those last two weeks, one of the biggest things that came up was COVID and players getting uh, put on the COVID injury list, which doesn't mean in the NFL that you have tested positive. It means that you've been around someone who has COVID and they're just trying to separate you from the team and you have to be on that list for a certain amount of time, uh, which is why a certain defensive lineman who was traded today cannot play this weekend against Indianapolis. And we'll get to that as well. But when that all happened and the Patriots were told by Bill, by Bill, right? This, this wasn't the league. This was this was Bill Belichick and the Patriots that that shut down the facility and told the team not to come in for practice and decided not to practice. But the Tennessee Titans, who had exponentially more cases of COVID, positive cases of COVID, also did not practice. Now, apparently they were running practices by themselves on some dirt lot in Nashville, uh, wherever they were doing that. But to me that just shows a lack of preparation on the new England side of things. And then today it came out in, in Bill's weekly press conference that the team last week um, looked better in practice, but without a week of practice, they looked okay against Denver. And with a week of practice, they looked bad against San Francisco, but Tennessee comes out, and sure, they they, lo- they lose to, to Pittsburgh, but they played great the two weeks prior. So what's the real problem? And, and it, does it really come down to talent? I think Tennessee is much more talented than this New England team as it is. But what does that really come down to? Is that preparedness, lack of practice? What's, what, what is the deal there? I mean, it's, it's all of it, man. Like, and like you said, it's, it's a mix of everything. So whether it's the players opting out, the no no skill, you know, lack of skill at the um at the wide receiver position, running back position, just everything. Obviously, we talked about the poor the poor uh, quarterback play, and then honestly, the the player development, right? Like that that ties into the practicing. Like the player development is not what it once was in in New England. It's just not. Um, but player development doesn't fall on Tom Brady. No, but no, it, it doesn't. But that's why I'm getting that bill. Like Bill, Bill is is the issue here, right? And we talked about maybe Bill being the reason why they win a few more games, or there'll be a two or three games that they'll win because of him. Um, I'm not seeing that right now. Now that may change as the season goes on, and you know, I, I think you asked the question on the on the run out, like you know, who do you think should start, and uh, at the um, at the quarterback position, and honestly, maybe it should be Shane Falco. Maybe Shane Falco should come out there and, and, and start. <laughs> Maybe we need a replacement. Who knows? I, I don't know. I it, well, Keanu Reeves is a little bit older than Tom Brady, so I don't know. I mean, I well, know. I guess I mean the old man at QB is doing what they need to do. So I mean, maybe Shane Falco needs to come in there and say, you know, all right, all right, guys, you know, we 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 got it because right now a thirty-one year old guy can't do nothing. A twenty-five, a twenty-six year old guy can't do nothing. And we and we damn we damn sure know that that Brian Hoyer can't can't do a thing. So it's like I said, it's a multitude of things. I'm pissed off. Joe, you're pissed off. You know, Mike wants to be Mr. Optimistic over here. That's great. Um, 
But you know, who knows? Maybe maybe because I'm being pessimistic, Mike. Maybe they turn turn it around, and then I could be I could be happy. But I doubt that. Well, so, so I, I I do I do have a, uh, just one point, and then I'll, I have a little bit of a conspiracy theory. So just follow me here. Um, I, I think that what what this year is showing us is that the lack of a preseason, the lack of a training camp, and the lack of practices is too much for Bill to overcoach his poor general manager decisions or or, or lack thereof. Number one. Number two, what if Cam is not asymptomatic? It it is it behooves of the NFL players to announce that they are asymptomatic COVID uh, test you know positive test results because then the protocol is a little different. What if he's actually struggling to breathe? What if he's more tired? What if not not just him, other players too? I think that you could see after this year's over that players come out and say, "Yep." you know what? I just said I was asymptomatic so that I can get back on the field. Because if you look at how he looks now compared to how he looked in, let's say Seattle, he looks awful. He looks, and he looks gassed. You know, Joe, you and I were talking about this last night. Like you said, he can't make the throws. What happened in three weeks? Because he could make them three weeks ago. Yeah. In fact, three weeks ago, I was saying, I mean, his throws almost looked better than Brady at the, especially at the, the mid to, to deep range. Right. So he, he's able to throw this bullet and now all of a sudden he can't see that. That was my thought as well. And if that's the case, uh, then we, we have a whole different topic to talk about with the Patriots and the NFL as a whole, when it comes to possibly, you know, oh, player safety, you think that they're fine? Well, no player safety, <laughs> medical issues, lawsuits. I mean, it, it does come down to that, but I mean, you know, and, and I'm, I'm usually the one on, on this side that, you know, without showing my full hand, that is kind of like, Hey, you know, we, we do have to live our lives and, and work our jobs and make a paycheck and provide for our families and do the things that we need to do. But if we're getting to the point where the league is making these guys play or they're, they're incentivizing these guys to get on the field, even when they're not healthy, I mean, we're at the point now based on the knowledge that we have, and we're not turning this into the medical hour uh, with Joe, Mike and Ray, but we're, we're at the point where Cam Newton should be, um, I don't want to say rid of, but should be quote unquote over COVID. But now we're talking about lasting effects. So maybe that's what it is, Mike. Maybe he was asymptomatic and maybe there are still those lasting effects because we saw that with, um, Oh, who's the pitcher for the Red Sox? Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez, who yeah. was, who had it and basically said the same thing that he was feeling great, asymptomatic, uh, and then they found you know swelling of his heart and and he had to sit out the entire season. So I mean, are we are we looking at a similar situation? We 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 may never know. Well, so I don't so. You know, I'm I'm not I'm I'm not for the NFL or the owners, or I also believe that they don't give a rat's furry ass about player safety or, or their health. But I don't think that they're telling people to say that they are asymptomatic. What I do think is they probably put protocols in place that uh, that benefits you from testing positive and being asymptomatic, as opposed to saying that you are exhibiting symptoms. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I promise I will be wrong again. But if you just look at his performance. The things that he was able to do a month ago, right before Kansas City, he can't do right now. And if that is because he's still experiencing symptoms, it's a lasting effect, and the fact that he went three weeks without practicing or doing anything football-related, then then that makes sense. 
because if you when you look at it, there were a couple times, you know, in garbage time in the third quarter, which by the way, for a Patriots fan, that that usually we're on the offensive side of that. Yeah. Um, but like he he did fire bullets uh, across the field, but then he mi- he missed uh, in cuts and hitch routes. So, I mean, I don't I don't know Ray if you think I'm if I'm totally uh, you know fucking crazy, but there's something that doesn't make sense about the progression or lack thereof of Cam over the last couple of weeks. To that last point, yes, I, I do think you're crazy. But two, um, <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, with Cam, I mean, listen, honestly, at this point, at this moment, it better be that it's having a lingering effect because if he's come back and he's healthy and you're performing like that, then we got a problem. We we just do. So um, obviously, you know, we don't want anyone to to contract that that virus. But you know, if that if that is something where it's still having a lingering effect, then of course, for his safety, it's better for him to 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 sit out. It, it just is. Like I'm not I'm not looking for you to risk your health just for a win of the New England Patriots. Like if you're coming out here throwing nine to fifteen uh for 98 yards, whatever, and then you throwing three picks, that's not helping us win anyway. So why not sit on the sideline? Well, doesn't it but 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 in a contract year, doesn't it make sense that he would be willing to put himself out there? Yeah, but yeah, but if you're playing like that, it's like Joe said, you're not you're not getting any money. You're not getting that type of money. And remember, you know, Richard Sherman, I said, oh, we've never seen a former MVP sign for a deal like that. Well, I mean, how many former MVPs are playing like this? You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, like Richard Sherman, I, I, I love you, dog. But it's like, it's like, come, come on. Like, there's not, there's not too many former MVPs that are playing like that. And we, like I said, we, the, a former MVP released, uh, I mean, relieved a former MVP. And that former MVP is in that same division he was in. And he's tearing their ass up in the NFC and the whole NFL. Tearing their ass up on a regular basis. 18 touchdowns, four picks. Ball game. As, as my brother, ball game. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> what, what, do, what doesn't make sense to me about this theory we have about Cam is that it's not just Cam that looks bad. Uh, Mike, you, you mentioned Edelman. Um, I think a lot of the defensive players have looked um, like they're lagging behind uh, Chase Winovich, as I mentioned, made a bad decision. Juwan Bentley making some bad decisions on Sunday. And it, it they look uninspired. So everything we just talked about, let's take it and throw it out the window and say, forget about that for a second. This team looks uninspired. And, Mike, you, you talked about Julian Edelman, uh, who right now statistically is the best quarterback on the New England Patriots roster. Uh, but also, we have a trade deadline coming up. In, in less than a week. Um, could Edelman be trying to force his way out of New England? Uh, when is this contract? What, what, what value? What value? Yeah, that doesn't make, that's not the question I'm asking, that you're not going to get value for him. You're going to get, you're going to get less than, than a, a bag of balls. You might get a conditional seventh for him at this point. His, his contract is up the, at the end of this year, right? Is it is it the end of this year? I, I thought he signed a four year deal in 2016. That if if I'm wrong, I'm, uh, I'm again I'm wrong. But like we know he's going, we, we know he's going to Tampa next year. I mean that's just, that's just it. But but to answer like the two more years, okay. So yeah, I, I I don't know what you get for him right now. Now if you trade him after like week two, or after that Seattle game, you can get something for him. Um, the thing about it is, is I think that we always knew that, that that Julian Edelman cannot be your number one wide receiver. He cannot be your number one threat, right? Because he has to rely on someone else like Gronk up the middle or even Nikhil Harry doing something on the outside to free him up on the inside. 
And right now, everybody knows if you just double jewels, no one's going to be able to, uh, no one can run. Uh, apparently, like we just have given up on the running game uh, besides Cam. Then you're, you're going you're to get them. To answer your question, Joe, I, I, that you either have asked or are about to ask, uh, you said who's been exposed since uh, Brady left? Patriot fans. You want to know why? Because they have been exposed for the not the overwhelming majority, but let's say the silent majority of them are frauds. They are just here to enjoy the, the banner, uh, you know, raising ceremonies and the parades and Tommy terrific. And where are they now? This, the, 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 I mean, you can't go to the you can't go to the stands anyway. I would bet a lot of money that people would have stopped showing up after the Denver game anyway. This this season is an automatic reset for the Patriots. I think that this game is indicative of all the things that are wrong with them, and I think the oh, I think the buck stops with Bill. You can't you can't be so um, gun shy in the off season and not bring in talent. I mean, they brought in Cam. I'll give them that, but like on the wide receiver core, do you, can you imagine like if if they had just kept uh, you know even Sanu for 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 Christ's sake, Sanu is better than everyone that they have right now, and he was terrible last year. Yeah, he still had his injury problem, so I, I think that that was probably the right move at the end of the day. But I, I, I understand your point. Yeah, but it's like that. But that was the one position that you couldn't, like, you you can't keep detracting from that position and thinking that other guys are going to produce. Like, you know, I think they thought Demir Bird would be a little better, mainly because he played with Cam in uh, Carolina. So I mean, there is some, some report there, but you know, listen uh, to to steal a line from Shannon Sharp. Julian Edelman is running like he has a piano on his back. That's what's going on. That, that, that's, that's, that's just what's happening. He has a piano on his back, and he looks his age now. He just well, does. It, he and it age. showed in Seattle. It showed in Seattle when he had that, that big game, eight catches, 179. Uh, it, you know, it, it did. It showed because at the end of that game, you know, I'm sitting there going, man, he, that, that kid's going to sleep like a baby on that on that plane ride back to New England tonight. And and I think you're right. And I think his age is showing. But the the big thing with this Patriots team to wrap up the Patriots Niners talk before we move on to our next game, uh mentioning the trade deadline. And I I asked about uh Edelman. Uh, Edelman's cap hit is 6.7 million next year. I I think I I think that if you ate some of that you could definitely get something for him. And I'm not, again, maybe a conditional seventh. I don't know. This isn't major league baseball where you're going to go out and get prospects for him. But if he doesn't want to be here, and if that's the kind of season we're having, that might be the road that they go. We don't know. But also in in, in reality, like if you could get prospects for him, Joe, would you trust the Patriots to develop them? No, 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 no. But I I don't trust the Red Sox to develop their prospects either. So, but speaking of the deadline, and, and I, I have this for later in the show, but since we're we're kind of on that topic now with the Patriots, uh, my personal opinion, and I'm going to ask the question, then give my answer, and you guys can go, are the Patriots buyers or sellers? Um, I haven't decided yet, and I don't think they will until we see what happens against the Bills on Sunday. I think they're both. I think they're in the market for uh, a wide receiver, and I think that they need – I think that if they're looking at their season, if they do think that it's a lost cause, which I, I would find it hard to believe that Bill Belichick would, would believe that in October, but let's say I he agree. does, then offloading Gilmore um, to get more weapons on offense would make sense, right, for me. Um, 
it's hard to trade the, the the reigning defending defensive player of the year along with the fact that you just gave him a four million dollar bonus for no reason but if you, if you need to do that in order to get a couple of good wide receivers or at least just a serviceable wide receiver then you do it I just have a strong feeling that Bill's not going to do anything monumental because he thinks, like I think, that the AFC East will still collapse. Yeah, and and my thoughts on that are are very similar to yours where I think a lot of what they do is going to depend on what happens against Buffalo this week, and hopefully everybody's healthy, and hopefully everybody can can get their heads out of their rear ends and can can play the game uh, the way that this team should play. And – you know, we see this from from multiple sides, right? We see it from the um, the pink hat fans, the the ones that Mike calls frauds. Uh, huh. We see them saying, "Well, this team should be the same," but obviously they're not because there's no Tom Brady. And then you see it from our perspective of, "Well, it's not over, but they are playing like trash." And then you see it from a Dave and Bob perspective where it's like, Hey, you guys got six rings. Why don't you stare at those for a little while? Uh, And then, you know, think about what we don't have in Chicago and Dallas. And, you know, this is what your team is now. And it's like, well, no guys, because we still have Bill Belichick. We still have an MVP quarterback and we still have Robert Kraft who wants to make his money and put a good uh, product on the field. And I think that is what they're going to try and do. And I agree with you on Gilmore. He's got one more year left on his deal. He's clearly one of the best uh, players in the league uh, defensively, but that is kind of Bill's MO, right? Mike to trade the guys right before they, they go downhill or right before the last year of their contract. And then they go off somewhere and they kind of fizzle out and fade off into the sunset. I have a question. I don't want, I don't mean to jump you, Ray. Can you trade someone that's that that is opted out for COVID? I don't think so. <laughs> because I would trade Patrick Chung for anything. Literally just a, a placeholder because I think he's useless. But I think uh again, not, not to not to not to you know hammer a, 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 or beat a dead horse. If they don't get wide receiver help, it will be if, if Belichick gets to nine and seven. That might be the the uh, the best coaching performance of his career, um, Ray. I'm not sure how you feel about that. I, I listen. I, I hate I hate to agree that we are buyers and sellers because to me, we we should be buying. That's just that's just my opinion. Like it should lean towards the buying side. Well, you got to sell in order to be able to buy, Ray. You, like you got to spend to spend money to make money, right? So I, I think that that's what it comes down to because the 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 quote unquote prospects and pieces that the Patriots do have uh, are not plentiful. So let, let me ask y'all a question. Then, so Gilmore, y'all would say Gilmore's our best asset, right? Yes. So yeah. if if he if he's our best asset, yeah. So who who what receiver are you bringing in to trade for him? Like like what would you trade Gilmore for? What receiver? I would trade. I mean, let's say like hypothetically, if 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 I could have my pick, a realistic, I would trade him for a Will Fuller. I would trade him for um, uh, the number one guy in Chicago. Is that Robinson? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Fuller, I think would be, would be wild with Cam. I just, I just don't, I, I don't know. Like that would be either a big disaster or. Be like or having Steve Smith back. Yeah. Or amazing. But I think, uh, I think Robinson gives you the, 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 the big guy on the outside and frees up something for Jules. Um, and I, 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 I would, I would move Gilmore for that. I think Robinson is, is a good play. 
Um, another good play. Um, it, it, let's let's stretch it a little far farther because um, Will Fuller is uh, an injury waiting to happen, as we've right. seen in his career. And I'm not sure uh, what Houston is going to want to do and what they're really going to want for Will Fuller. And I think if that organization um, trades away another wide receiver from from Deshaun, I think the uh, NRG Stadium is going to be looted uh, and and possibly burned to the ground because those fans are not going to stand for that. Right. Absolutely. I'm I also not, just forgot that, that, that uh, Billy O'Brien is no longer there. So that trade will probably not happen because well, why not? Romeo Cornell's there. He doesn't do stupid stuff like that. But, but to see, that's another thing. Is that, is this just a bridge year for Houston now with Romeo Cornell? Like, are they actually going to try and contend in the AFC South? I, I don't know if they can. Um, they still have a, a very good quarterback and a very good team. And they've looked better as of late since Bill O'Brien uh, was, was fired. But um I think a good place for Gilmore. I don't know if I want the return because of his injury past, but a good place for Gilmore is Cincinnati. And I think that would be a good pickup for that Cincinnati defense. Don't say it. And get AJ Green. Now, again, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me finish the thought. That's why I said I don't know if we should do that because of his injury history. But if you don't want AJ Green, then you don't want Will Fuller. No, I I don't want either one of those guys. But to me, I mean, obviously, I I want to go for a broken get Julio. Obviously, Julio Jones would be the that that would that would be the that would be the guy I'm looking for. Like, I'm not trading Gilmore for someone less than that. I'm I'm just being honest. So, I mean, I think earlier they said, oh, they'll look to get a second or a third rounder, which is cool. But if you could get someone like Julio Jones, hey, I'll 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 get the I'll get the car for you bringing the Logan Airport stuff on Gilmore, and I'll shake your hand myself and say, hey, it's been <laughs> real, my brother. Enjoy your sixty five million. Enjoy your beautiful wife and your kids, and enjoy the ATL and get you some lemon pepper wings with you and Lou Williams. That would be great. That'd be awesome. <laughs> great. Awesome. Let's let's trade him for a third round pick, and then when we go into the draft, and DK Metcalf is sitting there, we'll go draft Nikhil Harry. So we're gonna move on to our 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 next. Our next game of the week uh, after spending a half hour on the New England Patriots. Uh, but the next game we're going to touch on is what I feel was the best game in this in the 2020 NFL season thus far. And that was the Seahawks Cardinals game on Sunday night football. Um, I could watch Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray play football every single day of the week and watch their tapes the next day. Um, these two teams were so much fun to watch. Uh, thank you, Tyler Lockett, for winning me a uh, a fantasy matchup this week with 45 and a half points. Um, a couple other talking points in this. Larry Fitzgerald, uh, instant first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, he becomes the second all-time uh, receptions getter uh, with 1,400. He now has 1,407 in his 17-year career, if you can believe he's been around for that long. Um, DK Metcalf is an absolute animal of a human being and it was really fun to watch Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins. This game went into overtime. Um, the Cardinals ended up coming out on top and Mike, you said it in, in the, the prediction show that you thought the Cardinals were contenders and, uh, and, and so did Bobby, which Bobby may have hit on this one. One that he actually hit on. I, I have to agree and say that I was wrong. And I thought Kyler Murray was going to be what, Craig thought of Patrick Mahomes where he wasn't going to be in the league, but this kid is good and he is smart and he understands the game of football. He, he is 
he is going to be better. Ready, Rayshon, you ready for this one? He is going to be better than Michael Vick was when he was in the league. All right, so a couple of things. It's just not a fair comparison because uh, I think I could argue that Vic lost probably his most what would have been productive years due to off the field issues. Um, because when he came back in Philly and started, he was still he was a different good, right? He was still sure. he still had a great arm. He wasn't as fast. I think I think Vic will always be like the Barry Sanders type, right? Obviously for different reasons. Barry Sanders could have kept going, and you always say like, what if? What if Vic was in the league for two thousand six, two thousand seven, two thousand eight? Who knows what would have happened. But Kyler Murray, uh, what he—I think uh, what everyone thought he lacked was grit, right? Can he come back? He can. He proved it. He's the real deal. Uh, I know I hijacked you, Ray. So go ahead. No, no, you're good, man. I, I think that. Um, see, Vic to me is not the comparison. The comparison is actually the guy that he faced Sunday night, and that's Russell Wilson. Like, I think he's the next version of Russell Wilson. I just feel like they play very similar styles. I agree. You know, and it's like they they lived up to the hype, man. Like they were they were really really good on on Sunday night, and you know, just far as far as you know, your point about Metcalf, man. Actually, before I get into that, yeah, I, I was wrong on Arizona too. Like they they they're five and two now. Like they've been playing Definitely. really well. Um, I know. Uh, you know, like I said, I mean that a lot of that hinges on the development of Murray, and he's clearly developed. You know, so training for Hopkins was huge for them in the offseason, and you know, Buda Baker has been been great. Um. I have to say this in Craig. Just not Craig fast sh- enough. Yeah, just not fast enough, right? But uh, Craig, Craig should laugh at this one. But you know, it, like it's it's a joke how fast um, you know Metcalf was. Like you know the way that he was running after Buddha Baker is how I run when I see the hot and ready sign at Krispy Kreme. Like it was just <laughs> it, it was it was ridiculous. Like it, it was unbelievable how fast. Like I mean, and you know, and you know, as a Patriots fan, I was like, I was in awe, but it was like, no, I've seen this before, y'all. Because unfortunately, in a playoff loss back in 2005 to Jake the Snake Plumber, <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> shout, shout out to Jake, but you know, Ben Watson runs down 99 and a half yards to catch Sam Bailey and get a touchback. So, which is still one of the best plays I've ever seen, even though it wasn't a loss. So, you know, um, I say that to say this was still more impressive than that. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 it was crazy. Like he, he was just out of there. Yeah, but like you said, the awareness he had was just it was it was incredible. To turn and burn, he awesome. he saw like Buda Baker barely had possession of that ball, and you you saw DK Metcalf basically say, uh, 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 uh not not on my watch. I, I'm I'm going to catch you, and he did. And that was one of the. That's an incredible play. I mean, that is right up there with the Ben Watson play. Uh, it, it's right up there with um, Adam Vinatieri. Uh, running down Herschel was that Herschel Walker? Yes, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Her- running down Herschel yeah, Walker well, back in well, the where did he go in the vault, Joe? Uh, I, I, yeah. I forgot about that play. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was there for that play. Great play. Crazy. Um, so you know, it, it was just incredible. And I, I think Mike, I think one of the things I mean about the the Kyler being better than Vic was, and I think could, I still think could have been. I think one thing that Kyler Murray has that I did not give him enough credit for. And I know he'll never listen to this, but I will apologize to him. Uh, Kyler, I'm sorry. One thing he has that, that I don't think Vic did have was the ability to read and break down a defense and run down his progressions. And you saw that. And the thing about him is his, his feet are weapons, 
but they're not his first weapon. And yep. he understands that. And I love that about him because Ray, you're absolutely right. And I didn't think about it that way. He is kind of like Russ 2.0 and it's so much fun to watch. And for them to give him the weapons he did, and we've talked about this already on another podcast. And I I've, I've been on the Kyler love fest ever since, but to have a guy like DeAndre Hopkins and to have a mentor like Larry Fitzgerald at a wide receiver position so you don't have like a direct competition behind you and you're willing to help the kid is incredible. And DeAndre Hopkins said that in week two of the NFL season that he was basically chewed out by Kyler Murray. The guy has been in the league for eight years. He's possibly at the end of his career could be one of the best wide receivers of all time. And Kyler Murray, a second-year quarterback, chews him out, and DeAndre Hopkins basically says, "That was awesome." Yeah, like that. Like you, that's awesome that that guy did that. Like he put me in my place, and and I and that's never happened to me. He said, "I've never had a quarterback yell at me," and he played with Deshaun Watson. What does that say about Deshaun Watson? Well, just I, I think when you come into the league and you're drafted, and you, you walk into that locker room, and Hopkins is there. Hopkins is the man. Um, now, when you're traded. He, he's still one of the greatest receivers in the league, but he's not the guy in, in Arizona until he proves himself. And by week two, he hadn't proved himself yet. So Kyler sure. had an opportunity to do something that Deshaun never did. But I think, you know, for me, this game, the biggest takeaway for me was, man, Tyler Lockett. He is so good. 15 catches, 200 yards, three touchdowns. And if he's not in Seattle, you don't know who Tyler Lockett is. Right. Agreed. That that is that is development at the wide receiver position by Pete Carroll, by his staff, and trust by his quarterback Russell Wilson. And we we saw that with Doug Baldwin in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, we we saw that with receivers in New England that played with Golden Tom Tate. Brady. Golden Tate, uh, absolutely, because Golden Tate ha- hasn't been. Uh, what he was in Seattle after he went to Detroit and now New York. Yep. Uh, he's definitely not what he used to be. And that's, that's absolutely right. And and when guys are put into that position, they have to be a little, uh, you know, once they see it, uh, pretty happy about it because Tyler Lockett, uh, we've talked about this on a, on a previous episode too, that you're 100% right. Tyler Lockett does not have 15 catches, 200 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, against the Arizona Cardinals in this game if Russell Wilson is not his quarterback. Just one last thing, dude. Like you said in uh, in the last segment, you know, that we passed over DK Met- uh, Metcalf. If DK Metcalf was uh, si- or drafted by the New England Patriots, he would be Nikhil Harry. They can't develop wide receivers anymore. They haven't been able to do it since Julian Edelman is what you're going to tell me. But even before that, it was Deion Branch, David Givens. What, what do you think? Chad Jackson was a good was a good uh Hell no, he he, he sucked too, and you know he was he was garbage. No, <laughs> but Edelman Edelman was developed. But the thing about Edelman was Edelman wasn't a wide receiver; he was a quarterback. So you had a ball of clay you could turn into whatever you wanted and use his skills to his advantage. Where you have receivers, and we all know kind of the the stereotype of receivers is that they they kind of are who they are, right? We see receivers as the they. Larry Fitzgerald has been the same guy since day one. Um, we saw it with T.O., uh, uh, Chad Johnson, uh, all these guys. The, the Chad, um, uh, Johnson in, in Detroit. We've seen it with these guys throughout their career. And I just think that you're, you are correct is basically what I'm saying in long form. They've never been able to develop. And I think some of the guys that they did develop uh, just – I, I think they well they developed just three. struck gold. three. Yeah, I mean, yeah four, sure. Four. We'll we'll call it four. But it wasn't Bill. So three of them were, were Bill. It was David. Uh, it was David Gibbons, Dion Branch, 
and I'll give you Edelman. I'll give you, and you know what? Kembrell Tompkins in that one year, he was what we needed him to be, but then he's out of the league. I mean, he went to yeah. Oakland for, I mean, outside of the play he made against New Orleans, you know, when it's like, okay, you know, you can have your Mannings. I'll take my Brady. Like, you know, everyone remembers I mean, that call, right? He had, he had 45 catches for like seven or 785 yards and five. Yeah. Touchdowns. Pretty yeah, good for no, I mean, I mean, true, but I, mean, I think, see even though Harry is like 6'4", 225, like, and obviously I think he was someone that was, I mean, he, he did, he was pretty healthy at Arizona State, and um, I, I feel like he was pretty productive as far as uh, getting catches. But, I mean, DK and Metcalf is just so physically gifted. Like, yep. I just think that whatever they didn't develop with him, like, would have, like, at some point, it just would have took over still. Like, I mean, my God, him and AJ Brown was on the same team, and we missed out on both. Like that's that's wild. <laughs> and like oh 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 miss to me really low key is a um they're, they're a wide receiver factory too. Cause I mean, yeah. uh, you know, Mike Wallace back in the day, uh Laquan Treadwell that went to Minnesota. I mean, you know, he hasn't been great, but I mean he was he was decent coming out of uh Ole Miss. Uh and obviously, you know, these 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 two guys now, so it's like they they've produced some really good talent coming out of uh, out of out of Ole Miss, man. So I mean, I I I don't know. I mean, like I said, you know, Debo Samuel's another one, you know, who seems to be like a typical Patriot guy, the way that he runs after the catch. So I mean, I, I don't I don't I don't know, man. Like Andy Isabella to go back to what we just talked about with Arizona, like Andy and Isabella from you from UMass. So you saw him up close. He was he, he was down the street at 495. <laughs> um <laughs> you you couldn't win and go pick them up, but you were like, oh well. You know, we, we, we don't we don't even know. You do need a player like that. Like that was, you know. Amherst is a long way from Foxborough, okay? That's like that's Western Mass. That's that's beyond Worcester. Nobody goes up. Hey there. man, he he just picked a guy from Lenore Rhyme. Don't give me that. <laughs> <laughs> he can he 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 can figure he could figure that out, man. Like that's it, it pisses me off, but you know, it it is what it is. I'm not I'm not gonna keep hijacking though, but go go ahead, Joe. <laughs> so in the interest of not talking about the Patriots the the whole time, let's talk about the Steelers and the Titans. If you, we want to talk about some other good receivers. Uh we, we saw a few play in this game and one that has been very good this year that did uh, literally nothing, but um, this, this was an interesting game. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers come out on top to remain uh, undefeated. Both of these team came, teams came into the game at 5-0. and oh. The Pittsburgh Steelers had a 24-7 to lead at halftime, and the Tennessee Titans come out in the second half and, and outscore the Steelers 17-3, to uh, still lose by three, and uh, our, our old our old buddy and Rayshon, this fired Rayshon up the moment it happened. Uh, Steven Gostowski, uh, it, it was like being in a dream, Ray, and then like getting jolted awake because I got your message and I was like, well, he's fired up. Steven Gostowski misses the game-tying field goal and uh, to, to send the game to overtime and, and the Steelers win to go 6-0. and uh, The look on Ben Roethlisberger's face when he missed that kick because I think even he was like, all right, we're going to overtime like this is Steven Gostowski because he, for a very long, time he came out of memphis in 06 um he's been a, a very good one of the best kickers in the league uh and he missed this one what do you what did you guys take away from this game uh and and what do you think of these two teams well i mean ne- never forget that some people like myself were getting bashed for saying that we wanted guess kelsey gone i mean we had the last two or three years that he was here he kept missing routine kicks and you know and, and give credit to mike Mike said on I think a few episodes back, he's a Tuka Raska kickers. He's 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 gonna make difficult kicks from forty five yards, fifty yards, but then a routine kick of twenty seven or from like thirty two, it's wide right. And you know, uh, like his name is Scott Norwood. It's 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 awful. It's 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 sad. Um, 
So I'm glad that he's doing it for somebody else now and 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 not us. Uh, it did ruin to me what would have been a really good comeback. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't say I'm surprised that he missed it because that's what he's been doing recently. And, you know, Bill got a lot of flack for letting him go last year. And it's just like, mm, Bill saw that he sucked. Fans like myself saw that he was no longer good. So what was the problem? And now, now we're seeing that. Now, yes, one loss doesn't change the outlook of what I think about Tennessee. They're a decent team. Uh, and I think we're going to get into in a few seconds about Derrick Henry, but you know, he was the bigger takeaway for me than Guskowski missing that, uh, that field goal because Pittsburgh neutralized him. And that might be a formula going forward, uh, to stop the Tennessee team. So real, real quick, uh, uh, Ray, I just want to let you know that your Scott Norwood drop there, uh, probably lost us any fan we had in and around the Buffalo or Western New York area. So, you know. So I mean I so I think I think this game um, I, I think it's definitely a, a tale of two halves right I think in the first half you saw how dominant Pittsburgh can be when they want to be like if they they when they're on man they're on I mean Juju nine nine for eighty five Deontay Johnson nine for eighty Big Ben thirty two forty nine but what I will say is that if this if if this was the uh, Miami Ryan Tannehill and he was down you know 27 to 7 or 24 to 7 at halftime his stat line does not look like 18 of 30 for 220 yards and two uh, and two touchdowns it looks something that's like, because he had terrible head coaches in miami yeah but it, it would look something like you know uh like 22 of 50 for 300 yards two touchdowns and four picks he's playing better he's fundamentally changed how he plays the position i think that's because he has really good targets really good coaching and he has derrick henry so for me I think uh, you you just saw the class of the AFC. That these are the two teams. I think on any given day, if they play their best, they are better than Baltimore. I think that they're better than Kansas City. I think I I, I do not see. I mean, let me ask you a question right now, right? I know you're getting all yeah. Please, 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 yeah, please ask me. Ask me. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm ready, sir. Go ahead. Go ahead. Do you think if Pittsburgh plays like they do in the first half for a full game? that Kansas city on their best day can, can beat them. Absolutely. Because Mahomes, you got to understand, like, even though big Ben's been doing this since 2004 and, you know, obviously that first run they had really was more of the defense, not him. Um, We've already seen in his few years that when when Mahomes is on, there's nobody touching them. Like they, they just, they, they were down 24, nothing to Houston last year in the playoffs. And I personally thought it was over. They was getting ran out the building and they they went on like a fifty to ten, no no, but still, but I mean the fact they was uh, on a professional NFL team as you always say, Joe, that they're professionals, they get paid. They was up twenty four. They was up twenty four. They were down twenty four points, and they went on a forty to ten run. So like it was it was crazy. So now, do I think that they would be the best opponent for Kansas City? Absolutely, but I do think if 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 Kansas City's on, there's still another gear that they have. Um, that any of this really unrivaled many other team, including Baltimore, AKA your paper champions, as you've been saying, I just think that like, but I think Pittsburgh is, is a, is a tier below them uh, still even being six and oh, but I can, I can understand why you chose pause them for a there. second. I mean, not, not really pause, but what is the definition of a paper champion to you, Ray, Sean? Uh, is it, I mean, is, 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 it, is like, it winning, a, <laughs> winning a lot of games, but not a championship. Is that it? Because that, that's what the Ravens did. Well, that's what the Steelers are right now. Right, but I mean, I mean, but I, I mean, I didn't think. I mean, if that's the case. There's there's 31 paper champions every year, so to speak. But I I, I see what you mean. But how many playoff no. games did, did Baltimore win last year? 
Oh, none. They haven't won any since Lamar Jackson's been there. None. None. So until none. they do, they are paper. Oh no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. They they did no. Did they, oh no, they lost to San Diego too. I'm sorry, my bad. Sure did. He's only two. So oh, right. Uh, j- just to throw something out there about Baltimore while we're while we're on the AFC North, I don't think Baltimore is as good as everyone thinks they are this year. I I don't I think not that we rated them too high, Rayshon. I, I think we rated them pretty well. I think I think I had them at thirteen and three, and you had them at fourteen and two. Yeah. I I think I think twelve and four is a good spot for them. I I don't I just don't think that they're as good. And I, I to go with. Mike's theory of if you put Pittsburgh on the if Pittsburgh plays that whole first half that they played against Tennessee against Baltimore, I don't think Baltimore stands a chance. No, and I think no, yeah, against play, Baltimore though. He said, well, well, no, 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 right. But that so going back to that, if they do that against Kansas City, that game is a shootout and it comes down to the final possession, and that is a very high scoring game. I think Pittsburgh's defense is better than Kansas City's. I think they're faster, and I think they're stronger. That doesn't mean that Kansas City's defense isn't good. I think Kansas Kansas City's defense is a very good complement to their offense, and they keep the time of possession where it needs to be in order for the offense to do the work that they need to do. I think that they allow – I think that one unit allows the other to stay off the field long enough – to catch their breath and get their legs back before having to go back out. I just, I, I just, Mike can't say that that game would go to Pittsburgh automatically because of where Ray went with that. Both of those teams have so many offensive weapons and both of those teams have so many big name guys on defense um, that know how to play the game so well. That that game would be in the 30s, and it comes down to the final possession. And and you're talking about two pretty good kickers because I think Chris Boswell has figured out his issues from last season, and Harrison Butker is a top five kicker in the league. And I, I think that that w- it might be where it comes down to between those two teams. So my takeaways, real quick, on Tennessee because I can see we were going to lose a little steam there. Tennessee Pittsburgh. Um, I thought Ben Roethlisberger, though he threw three picks. Uh, that is kind of a Ben Roethlisberger day, right? That's always been a Ben Roethlisberger day. Uh, James Conner, uh, Ray, to go, to go to what you said about Derrick Henry and how they neutralized him, I, I thought James Conner looked slightly neutralized as well. Uh, I know he had the three catches for 29 yards as well. I just think that both of these teams were firing on, on all cylinders on Sunday, and it was um, so much fun to, to watch these two quarterbacks play. And, and Mike, you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. I mean, 18 to 30, 220 and two touchdowns. That's really all that guy needs to do, right? Yeah, now, but, but but I think for me, like what you would see beforehand, right, is he would tr- he would try to be the reason that they win a game. Not anymore. He, he knows he can do it, but he's not going to throw 52 passes that four will get picked, you know, get picked and, and lose a game for you. So I think that you saw – the progression of Ryan Tannehill in this game, he refused to be the reason that you lost. And I think as a, if you're a Titans fan, this is a loss. There's, there's not many of them throughout the course of the year for any team. This is a loss that you can rally around. Absolutely. 100%. And I thought that that loss to Seattle was going to be the loss that the Patriots could rally around, but we all know what happened there. So the, the fourth and final game we're going to touch on this week, uh, I'm going to uh, – 
I'm going to say what game it is and then Mike, go ahead because I know you want to talk about this one. I think we all do at this point, but that fourth game uh, is the lions and Falcons. And uh, Mike, we, you have some, you have some words. Okay. So just remember all the shit that I took for picking the lions to win the NFC North. Right. And, and my final record for them was nine and seven. So, you know what? They might not win the NFC North. I still think they're going to, but they are going to get within that two and threshold of nine and seven. You want to know uh, something else? 25 of 36 for 340 yards and a touchdown. That's Matt Stafford. He was nails in this game. And he is the reason, obviously like he's the reason that they're going to, that, that they're either going to win a lot of games or, th- or that they're going to lose a lot of games. But the fact of the matter is we are now in week seven slash eight of the NFL season, you know, COVID times, the Detroit lions are better than the new England Patriots. Well, I told the, you so the lions, the lions have a, a quarterback that is playing well. First of all, Matt Stafford, this is what Matt Stafford always could be, right? He was always that he, he always fluctuated between a top 15 uh, quarterback and a bottom 15 quarterback. It all depended on the season. I've always thought Matt Stafford was great. He's got a heck of an arm. Um, he plays the game pretty well, but this year there's a difference because he's got a good uh, rookie running back in DeAndre Swift. He has a very good veteran in Adrian Peterson in the backfield. When he got Kenny Galladay back two weeks ago, that's when this turned around. He needed that Kenny Galladay because because Marvin Jones is nothing without Kenny Galladay, and that's and I think Marvin Jones is a very good wide receiver. But having Kenny Galladay back, Danny Amendola, uh, who looked like an NFL wide receiver on Sunday, and T.J. Hawkinson is slowly becoming a top ten tight end in the NFL. Five catches, fifty nine yards, and the only receiving touchdown uh, on the day. Mike, I, I have to agree with you, disagree with you, and agree with you that you were you were right about the Lions. They can win the North, but won't. And I, I, I just I think I think that nine and seven is very realistic for this team. It is absolutely pathetic that Detroit has made Mike look good this season. Like. It's amazing to me to get a three to three at this point. Just like I, I did not think they would be relevant still this late in the season, but they are. They've won two in a row, so it it, it is it is what it is. Uh, Matt Stafford, you know that that that's been my guy though. Like I actually wanted him to be the replacement here uh, for Tom Brady, Absolutely. so I, I wish that we could have felt, found a way to get him actually in a deal. I'd have been perfectly fine with that, um, but that didn't happen. <clears throat> Excuse me. So it, it is what it is. How, however. To not winning this damn division, like let's let's be let's let's not get let's not get ahead of ourselves. Only two like, games out. That's that's fine. But Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is still that guy. And as, yes, they face Houston on Sunday. But when him and Devontae Adams are playing the way they're playing, him getting thirteen receptions, one ninety six, and two touchdowns, there's nothing you're doing against Green Bay. And he and just like uh, you know, just like just as bad as he looked the week before, he looked just as good this this, this Sunday. So you know, Aaron Rodgers is still the cream of the crop in that division. And there's nothing else to really talk about that in, in, in that regard. But yes, yes, we, we can give my credit for them winning two games in a row and being three and three and, you know, 
being relevant and just remember being so quote unquote better than they're, they're one right in, now so. they're one in three and i'm hearing shit from everyone on this show patricia's gonna be the first one fired they're gonna be a bad team how stupid of a pick suck on that hey well, i mean he, 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 he still we, should be let go well he he should but we can't necessarily go that far yet mike because they're three and three they're two games out uh i know dave wanted to 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 throw his thoughts in on the bears uh, at this point of the of the show, but the the Bears, I'll say it for them. The Bears are a soft five and two right now, and the way that they played last night, and and uh, Nick Foles really just kind of dropped the ball. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, I I think that second place in this division for the Lions is realistic because the Vikings are puking all over their shoes. Um, Called that. Right? Ray is absolutely right about the Packers. If those two guys are on and they're seeing eye to eye, which they did on Sunday, that team is dangerous. And they didn't have Aaron Jones on Sunday, and that's how well the Packers played. So I, 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 I really do think the Packers are going to win the division. But Mike, I think you're going to still get the point for being within uh, two wins of nine. Because I, I mean, uh, eight. just to satisfy you guys and our listening audience, I was wrong about the Packers. I was wrong about Aaron Rodgers. He's still the guy. I was wrong. We get it. It happens. So someone else that's been wrong uh, is still an NFL coach. Uh, as we move past our takeaways of the week, how does Adam Gay still have a job? Can anyone, can anyone tell me how Adam Gay still has a job? They want Trevor Lawrence, dude. That's what everybody's saying. And that's what I've been, I've been reading. That's what I've been hearing is that Adam Gase's job is safe because they're tanking for Trevor. And then they're going to spin everything around and trade Sam Darnold. What if Trevor decides to play for another year? Then you did all this for nothing. Well, no, because the Jets will go 0-16 again next year. They'll <laughs> so be basically, the first team in NFL history to lose 32 straight. He'll have job security as long as Trevor Lawrence is in college. Exactly, yeah. That could be it. And then and then they'll like trade it away and fire him anyway. Uh, two big signings that happened this week. Antonio Brown officially signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this morning. Uh, he, uh, on Tuesday morning, you're listening to this on Thursday. Uh, he signs with Tampa and Des Bryant signs to the Ravens practice squad. Um, first question is Antonio Brown going to be a legitimate factor for Tampa Bay? I think he'll be a Deshaun Jackson in Tampa Bay. I think he will be the guy that if you need like a, a Hail Mary or, or or that one play that's, you know, one catch, 80 yards and a touchdown, I think he's going to be a factor. I think he's too talented to not be. I hope for the sake of uh, our viewing pleasure that he has figured his stuff out on, on the outside and can play football for the, for the rest of his career because that man, when he wants to be, is a top five NFL receiver. Um some would say he's the best when, when, when he's at his best. Um, and I, I just think, you know, just think about that, man. He is like their fourth option <laughs> in Tampa Bay. A- Antonio Brown is, is, is your, uh, is your security policy insurance policy as coach Arians would say, not a bad place to be. That's if Chris Godwin and Mike Evans can stay on the field. They can, they'll, they'll, they'll be fine because Winston's not going to be there to hang them out to dry over the, over the middle to take a beating. So they're going to be their their health has exponentially increased because they have a competent quarterback throwing them the ball. 43 year old Tom Brady broke Chris Godwin's finger last week. That's why he's out. It's all that cacao ice cream. 
<laughs> uh, Rayshon, I'm going to direct this one to you. 31-year-old former Cowboy, three-time Pro Bowler, Des Bryant, signs with the Ravens, Does uh, the Ravens practice squad. Does he get called up uh, to to the, the big club uh, by season's end? Well, before I touch on that, I want to I want to add about the AB thing. I think AB is going to be phenomenal in Tampa Bay. Um, there's no way he becomes the fourth option. Just want to put that out there. Um, if he's on, he is he is he's in the words of an old school Triple H line. He is that damn good. There's no way. <laughs> there's no way that he doesn't become the number one option uh, unless Gronk some some way somehow finds his legs, which that is happening. So you know, take take that, Mister Melkin. But um, <laughs> but no, sucks. but it's it. Yeah, no, I mean that's 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 fine. But uh, you know, Sunday's game showed otherwise. But anyways, um. To answer your question about Dez, uh, I, I think I think he does get up there at some point. I think that they need an, an additional weapon besides you know Andrews and uh, you know and Hollywood Brown. So um, now you know for him to be your third or fourth guy, you know at this stage of his career, it's not bad. So you know if you can get find some way to get twenty five to thirty catches for three or 400 yards by the end of the year, that would be phenomenal. Um, or maybe even going into the playoffs because they're obviously going to make the playoffs. So um, I like the signing. Uh, it's amazing to me that he was just sitting out there and, you know, the team up down the street couldn't find a way to, to make that happen. Even on the, can't just bring everybody even on the, pre- no, I, I, on, honestly, honestly, at this point, Joe, yes, bring, bring, bring everybody in. Hell, if I lost 150 pounds, bring me in so I could do something too. Cause it doesn't make sense. Let, let's get back to that though, because we, we always talk about this and I know fans of every team in every sport does this. They always say, bring that guy in, bring anybody in, bring somebody in, go find somebody. What we have learned through the last 20 years. And I think what we learned this summer without really knowing it, and we're getting back to the Patriots again. We've seen guys come in here and decide they don't want to be here. Reggie, uh, Reggie Wayne came in here and, and retired. Like he was like, no, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm out of here. I, they, they've lost, they've lost, they've lost their incentive to sign uh, free agents because it's, it's like having the devil and the angel on Kraft's shoulder. And the devil is, is Bill Belichick. And the angel was Tom Brady. People wanted to come play for Tom Brady, but when guys left, they always said, well, it was, it was, Bill's system and the way he ran it. And that's nothing again. And I'm not saying that Bill is the devil because he's bad. He's the best coach of all time, but I I don't think he has that leverage anymore to get guys to come here and play. So when you say go get anybody, well, you're, you're going to have to go down there and play because it doesn't sound like anybody wants to come up here and put pen on paper. Yeah, but De- Des is not in that position to say that he's well, he's not going to play for. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, for him to be coming off the injury that he came off of, and literally nobody was looking at him. So he I your your premise is not wrong, but in this situation, like I just don't think that he like I say we think about it. He he wasn't where Reggie Wayne was coming into here. He wasn't what Terry Holt was coming into here. Um even you know Demarius Thomas last year got got a shot. Even so, if Demarius Thomas got a shot, how the hell does Des Bryant not get a shot? Well, are you are you talking about, are you talking about nobody looking at Des pre or post New Orleans? Because I, I think or I mean, po- po- I mean po- yeah, but I think I think after, yeah, that, that's that's I forgot about that. No Orleans did look at him, but that's where he, I, well, no, he was signed. That's where he got the injury. Was in practice with with New Orleans. 
Right, right. And I, I'm like, that 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 just slipped my mind. But I mean, even even before then too, like there wasn't really people still, they weren't knocking down this door. And, and my thing is, you know, so it's just like my my thing is once again, practice squad. I'm not saying sign up to a four-year deal for 56 million and 37 guaranteed. You're not telling me he can't get 525,000 to be on a practice squad. And if he and if he shows some promise in practice, because everybody on your team sucks, that he can't he can't get a, find a way to get uh four or five targets in the game. Really? Like that, that 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 doesn't make sense to me. Especially at this point when you when the, when your receiver core is straight garbage, and I'm sorry to the listeners. I know this is not the New England Patriots podcast, but I'm sorry. It still got me fired up. I'm still hot about that. You still have to find a way to get talent in here, even if it's even if it's someone that's not going to stay. You just evaluate it. It's okay. One week or two weeks of him being here in a practice squad wasn't going to kill you, Bill Belichick. But get, but, get your head but out again, your ass. But but Des Des is in the position to because everybody has that choice to not sign that, that dotted line. So if he, if maybe he was contacted by new England, maybe they did because we didn't hear about him possibly signing uh, with the Ravens practice squad until like two days ago. So uh, maybe, the Ravens maybe were, the, were a target back in August. I mean, he, they, they had taken a look at him back in August. I mean, that that's how far back this goes. So what that tells me is that they identified that they probably have a, a, a weakness at wide receiver. They didn't like what they saw of him. Seven weeks in, they realized that they still need help, and they went and got him. Who does that sound like? What do you know? What What do you know? Imagine that. Imagine having the. Imagine having that mindset of, oh, hmm, we're still not good enough. Maybe we should ask somebody <laughs> else. Imagine having that mindset. Imagine that working. So maybe, Jesus. maybe, maybe the New England Patriots are taking a, a play out of the Boston Red Sox playbook. They're throwing the season. They're not going to sign Cam Newton back. They will be sellers by Tuesday. They're going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo next year and rebuild. Or maybe Bill thinks he's still a good enough coach to overcome his ineptitudes as a general manager. Right. And that's my problem. And, he, and he, right now he's not, but to your point, Joe, if that happens, if we get number ten back, I'm here for that, honestly. But <laughs> so I'd, I'd I'd be here for that. If I'd there's one thing Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Tom Brady at, it's it's looks. So we're gonna move away. Four uh, star Jimmy, baby. That's right. We're gonna move away from the NFL in a traditional sense, and now it is time for one of our favorite games to play on this show. It is the Forrest Gump Award. Craig, cue the music. The Forrest Gump Award. Beloved American hero Forrest Gump is the namesake for our weekly award show given to one lucky or unlucky member of the sports community. Forrest Gump, a seemingly dumb guy doing smart things, surrounded by seemingly smart people doing dumb things. So, who is this week's dumbest smart guy or smartest dumb guy in the wide world of sports? Your host will decide based on the contributors' nominees. And away we go! purpose in this army to do whatever you tell me drill sergeant god damn it gump you're a goddamn genius that's the most outstanding answer i've ever heard you must have a goddamn iq of 160 you are goddamn gifted private gump so mike who you got 
So my nominee this week is Steven Goskowski, and here's why. You know, t- when he when he comes into the league in 2007, Bill Belichick elects not to kick a field goal in the Super Bowl when they are undefeated that year because it's too far away because he can't make it. And now this son of a bitch can only make kicks from 50 yards or more. You have the chance to win the game on a field goal, 46 yards after making a 51 yarder in that game, and you shank it. He's the winner. He he is perfect. From he, I believe he's five of five kicks over fifty yards this season, but he can't make a kick from from what forty six uh, to win the game. All right, Rayshon, who's your nominee? Uh, so I'm riding with Bill Belichick, and I, I know that's probably going to be one of the more crazier nominations we have uh, going forward on this award. But I I, I don't care. I I feel that Bill has been. Uh, he's been subpar to, to say the least. And, you know, Sunday really put it on, on display. It put it on front street. And for someone who's been a genius as a coach, a genius as, as a defensive mind uh, really has dropped the ball this year. And it's okay to criticize him. Yes. He has the six rings. Yes. He has eight overall as, as a coach. Um, but I, I feel like it's something that, you know, he, he's just, he just hasn't been good. Uh, he, he was a good Sunday. He hasn't been good overall uh, this year. So I feel like he's someone that deserves the award as someone who's smart, but really has been making dumb decisions, not just this week, but every essentially every damn week that we've had uh, since the football season started. Uh, well, so to pick a winner, um, no surprise. So for the second time in a row, Rayshon Buchanan, you are the winner with your Bill Belichick nomination. Yeah, that's, I mean, listen, um, you know, thank you, Academy. Thank you to the fans at home, fans around the world. Um, you know, it's really, it's really becoming a thing of, uh, <laughs> you know, it's really becoming a routine for me to get this award right now. So, yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, Bill, listen, I, I don't want to keep nominating for, for stuff like this. So, you know, get your head out your ass, man, and, you know, and, and get better so that you're not a nomination or a nominee on this on this uh, award going forward, man. But appreciate the win. Stay, stay classy, Mike. <laughs> Mike, any, any any words? Stay classy, baby. <laughs> no, he just says no. All right. On the last segment of our show, we'll go through the top 10 teams of BK's power rankings, the full rankings, including Bob's 31st ranked Dallas Cowboys, can be found in the show notes or on our website. Just cracking the top 10 uh, is Bob Kelly's favorite member of the podcast, uh, Dave Clark's favorite team, the Chicago Bears, uh, who come in at 10. Now, I, I say that just so Bobby will roll his eyes at me and, and send me a message when he hears it. The Bears deserve to be in the top 10 because, uh, as Ray and I have said throughout this episode, it may be a soft 5-2, and two, but it's 5-2. and two. And they, uh, they actually moved back two spots after their loss. I, I think with that loss on Monday night, they should be out of the top 10 and the Bill should be in. Yep. Wholeheartedly agree, dude. Yep. Same. Yeah. No, no argument for me here. Like I just, I didn't, I was as soon as soon as you was re- you read that, I was like, what? Like you got Buffalo side of the top 10. Like, no. Uh, yeah. F- flip, flip that around. Get, get Davis bears out of there. <laughs> yeah. And the New Orleans saints are in at 12th and I, I kind of went past them, but they, they are in at 12th, um, which I, I think is fair for them. I think the saints are kind of a middling team and they will be um, fighting for a playoff spot, but they're definitely, uh, between that like 10 to 15 uh, area um, moving into the top 
the more into the top 10, the Rams at nine, the Titans at eight. Uh, he has the, the Titans falling three spots and the Rams moving up one spot. Um, I, I think the Rams and we, we haven't touched on them at all. I think I think you guys may have been wrong about the Rams too. I think they're the real deal, and and I think Jared Goff is uh, complete opposite of what you guys dubbed him as. Great, but I, what I what I would argue, Joe, is that <laughs> is that is that Great. is that the is that the majority of his success and completions come from the scripted plays that, that are run at the beginning of the game and after after halftime. If you look at what he does in. Uh, in the fourth quarter, or in late in the third quarter, or late in the second quarter, he's not that great, which is fine. He doesn't need to be. Listen, if you can beat teams based on your thirty scripted plays of a game, you're that damn good. You just are, and no one should no one should go after him for that. I do think it's a little um, it's a little inflated because one of their wins was against the Dallas Cowboys. You, you, I mean, I'm not going to hold against I'm not going to hold them against their schedule. But Dallas is a trash team. The Cowboys are a trash team. That's an easy win. So it's interesting to me that the Rams move up a spot, um, you know, by beating, you know, a good, a soft five and one team or a four and one team. But one of their wins is against one of the softest teams in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys. And again, the Bills move down a spot for beating a soft team. So, like, where's the logic here? You know, I, I I meant to pull up the the official NFL power rankings that came out today uh, to see where he was. If one of you guys can pull that up for at least our, our top seven teams, because um, the Arizona Cardinals he has at number seven, and they move up four spots. I think that's rightfully so. Uh, as Mike mentioned, Kyler Murray's ability to bring that team back from that deficit and get that win in overtime against Seattle uh, definitely deserves. They definitely deserve to be in the top 10, and I think seven's a good spot for them. Uh, Mike, he has the Packers at six, moving up a spot um, after their win this week uh, without Aaron Jones, but with a very healthy Devontae Adams. Um, The Baltimore Ravens are at number five. They moved down two spots because they were on a bye week, but but the Colts get better. (laughs) In uh, in the four spot, but see, Craig, you're you're absolutely right. The spelling errors, but you missed one. He spelled Tampa Bay wrong. It's not spelled with an O. It's spelled with an A. The municipal the municipality of Tampa is spelled T A M P A. Tom, uh, I I understand it. It's it's silly and it's ridiculous. And Tom Brady is a gimmick artist he's a con artist and his concussion water doesn't work i wouldn't know you know what but i can say these things now because he's not here you know i you guys you guys always know that i was so consistent with that that yes he's in a patriots uniform love him love the guy he brought the he he brought me some of the best uh sports memories of my entire life Mm -hmm. The, the, the guy is one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played the game but he very quickly uh, and I, I hate the term sellout because I, I, I believe that if you have the opportunity to better yourself, then go ahead and be a sellout. And that's what he's done. He's, he's bettered himself on and off the field, but the guy is, is he's a gimmick artist. He that's, that's what, that's his MO off the field. That's just the way it goes. If he plays till 45 like this, his gimmick works for him, dude. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Ab- absolutely. If you can, if in the NFL, you can, extend your career to what 
the av- to what a normal NHL or MLB career is for a player of that caliber. Absolutely. Do everything you have to do. The guy is an amazing athlete. Um, and, and he knows exactly what he's doing uh, most of the time. And it, you know, he's going to make mistakes because he is human, but good, good for him that his gimmick works, but don't buy his concussion water. Uh, in third, we have the, the Seattle Seahawks who moved down a spot. Um, I, I think it's fair that Bobby yeah. moved them down a yep. spot. I mean, they, they did, they did lose. Um, and, and the, the, the teams in, in one, the one, two spot, um, I, I think are interchangeable, but I think the Seahawks loss to the, to the Cardinals is, is, you know, indicative of putting them in the three spot. My question, I guess, not, not to jump you here, uh, like for the next two, how do you have an undefeated team in the NFL and not have them ranked as number one? I, I think it's possible. I, 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 I don't agree with his one, two, but I do think, I do think the power rankings can, can be that way. I mean, maybe I think I'm starting to think that Bobby works for the same committee that ranks the top 25 best division one college football teams. Uh, Cause they always screw that up too. Uh, but I agree with you. I think that the, the official NFL power rankings uh, that came out from everywhere um, has the Steelers at number one and the chiefs at number two, Bobby has the, uh, sorry, Steelers at number one, chiefs at number two. Yeah. And Bobby has the chiefs at one Steelers at two. Yeah, I mean, I think with that, with him, if I can speak for him, I just could. I'm, I'm pretty sure he wrote this on the uh, in in his description of what he why he had him at number one. It's, it's just basically they're the king of the hill, so someone knocks them off, right? And yes, they lost against the Vegas Raiders. Um, that that was a hell of a game. Derek Carr was was just was was straight money that game, but you know they overall they still are the the best team. You know, in, in, in my opinion, and I mean, clearly Bob feels the same way, but the, the one, two, no matter how you put it, is still the right thing. Chief, the Chiefs and Steelers are the two best teams in football. Like, that's not to be debated at this point. So whether you have them one, whether you have them two, he got he got the top two right. Whoever is making these rankings, they still got the, they got the top two right. So um, it should be exciting, you know, uh, down the stretch. But th- those teams will be at the top of the AFC, if not the NFL. Uh you know, going, going into the end of the year. Any final thoughts on Rob's ridiculous rankings? Yeah. I mean, I, first of all, I think, I think that the lion's take is just, is just a dig at me. I appreciate it. I love that. I occupy that much space in Rob Kelly's mind that that's, that's a great win for me, but in reality, um, rent free. Yeah. Rent free. It's tough to see the, the Patriots being so low, uh, being so low on that list. And and he's right. I would have put them probably at 25. Right. I, I think that they're, I think Bill keeps you out of uh, anywhere lower than, or yeah, higher than 25. If you're undefeated, if you play the way that you play, like the Steelers in the first half and you still hold on to win for me, you you're the best team in the NFL. You, I mean, you, you, you just are. And I, I'm still going with what I, with what I said earlier. If the Steelers play their best and the chiefs play their best, I'm taking the Steelers. So th- this regularly happens on episodes that I host is what I've noticed. So I'm going to have to start. I'm going to have to start um, hosting more, Ray. There you go. That's for you. Shut up and host. Uh, and, and also policing you guys a little bit. You guys rambled a little bit tonight. I mean, let's, let's be honest. That's but, a bit of the pot yeah. calling the kettle black. Don't you think? I mean, yeah. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, Craig, Craig, you really talked a lot. And Craig, you too, better so. keep that. I don't care what you cut. You keep that part in. Correct. 
so that'll do it here. For, no, uh, so, all right. So, guys, final words tonight. Um, you know, we're we're heading into week eight of the NFL season. We're hitting the halfway point. Um, you know, we can your final word, anything we can. And uh, again, because it's his birthday, Craig, what do you have for us to end the show as as the EP? What is what are your final words? This show is going to put me in a grave. <laughs> you should have said that faster. We we would have less runtime. True, but I'm I'm a, I'm a it's my own fault, Mr. Buchanan. What do you got for me, man? Uh, so as as you well as you guys can see, but the people at, at home that will be listening to this can't see it. But I am rocking a Black Lives uh, Matter shirt, and uh, well, mainly because I'm doing laundry. But uh, you know, <laughs> but uh, there's, there's a message behind it too, man. And on a serious note, um, Walter Wallace is another you know. Uh, black man that was killed by the police uh, recently out in uh, Philadelphia. So, you know, there's been rioting and there's been things that have been burned down. So, um, you know, we're, we're asking for justice for, for Walter Wallace, you know, prayers out to his family and those that, that, that care and love for him, you know, um, it's sad that we're still seeing this, but that's just, it's, it's just what it is. And also, you know, with this being uh, us being a week away, uh, make sure you guys vote. You know, I said, we've, we've religiously said this on the show and, you know, we've talked about it on social media, but make sure you go out to vote. Um, as Joe always says to y'all, we cannot tell y'all who to vote for, but, you know, because it is your civic duty, um, it's important for you to get out there and make sure that your voice is heard. Uh, so that your ass is not complaining in the next four years saying about, oh, you put this guy in, you put that guy in. Well, if your ass didn't go to the voting polls, don't talk. So make sure you get out there on November 3rd, vote, you know, vote however you're going to vote but just make sure you get your voice out there and um you know black lives matter not just not just yesterday uh not just today but um but forever i voted early and it was incredibly easy yeah i'm thinking about going to do it before tuesday so uh mike what do you got yeah i agree i i I, you know it's it's hard to follow that because what i'm about to say is a is a whole hell of a lot less important in the grand scheme of things but uh this is my call out to the new england patriots it's time it is now it's now not cutting time it's time to put up or shut the fuck up you are you are two and four you have never been that you have not been this bad in 20 years it's been since 2000 since 2000 drew bledsoe's not walking through that door tom brady ain't walking through that door find a way to do what you know how to do win in november and december and please please do not let this be a, a throwaway season we don't we don't deserve that and quite frankly Bill doesn't deserve that right now either. The coach bill GM bill absolutely deserves it. So I know we're going to put Craig into an early grave here. um, And I'm going to echo Mike's sentiments first and say, if you can't figure it out with cam, uh, put Julian Edelman back there. Uh, Echoing what, what Ray Sean said, uh, go out and vote, vote for uh, be educated, uh, whether it's the questions or, uh, whatever you're voting for in your in your local state elections, and then obviously we have a presidential election um, coming up November third. If you can vote early, go vote early. If if Tuesdays aren't good for you, find a way. Uh, I know in uh, where Craig and I are from, we can vote daily, uh, basically in normal business hours. So. You can, Craig. See, you have to go and do your uh, your research because Craig's like, can we? I didn't know that. That's because you have to do. Your... And I vote daily. That feels like that's kind of a federal crime. No, not not vote daily. You can go on any day because they're open daily. Good grief, man! Although, See, you... 
this year in our particular community, uh, we normally have a lot of different polling sites, but don't, they've all consolidated into one this year. Yeah, which is, is also becoming pretty typical uh, in a lot of places, unless you're in certain places and then they're just trying to close all the polling places. Correct. So uh, on to my final point, uh, this has kind of been my new thing. Um, if you're not doing well, talk to somebody. Uh, that's why I said at the beginning of the show, is everybody else okay? So after listening to us yammer for almost two <laughs> hours, are you okay? Because I am, because I love talking to these guys. But seriously, get out, uh, worry about number one first. Um First and foremost, before you worry about somebody else, you, you are what matters most to you. Uh, so make sure you talk to somebody uh, if you're not okay. Go out and vote. Uh, happy birthday, Craig. This one has been fun. Um, glad we could we could all get together and do this tonight. So for Rayshawn Buchanan, Mike Marcangelo, REP Craig Telesandro, I am your host, Joe Malkin. Thank you for joining us in ep- episode 14 of the SNSW podcast. We'll talk to you next week. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab. An electric cast production. See you there. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.